Good morning, Life Spring. I noticed I'm getting ready to preach and my wife just walked out, so I don't know what that Yeah, Yeah, I'm back. I'm back for week two. Yeah. yeah. I'm back by either A, popular demand, or B, they could find no one else. You decide. I don't know which one you... So, last week, what's the most important thing you learned last week? Think about that. I know, and as you're thinking about all the verses and the points and the, and the, the key messages that I, that I spoke about, I'll tell you what the most important thing I learned was. Somebody in this church makes really good ribs. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but well done, well done. It was Harlan? Oh my goodness, don't change nothing. That was awesome, yeah. So before we start this week, will you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word, Father God. Thank you for that awesome worship set, Father God. Um, Thank you for letting us fall in love with you every day, Father God. Thank you that we can come back to you over and over and over again, and you just take us back just like we are, Father God. So we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. So this week we're talking about idols. And and before I even wrote this, the first thing I thought about was that video we saw with Ryan and and Braden, that, that, that video that you did, which was awesome. And when I thought about this, this commandment, I, I thought about Braden kneeling down before your car, <laughs> bowing before it in, in, in worship, right? And I had to ask myself, is there anything like that in my life that I worship like that? And I've got to tell you, I love my truck. I, I love it way more than I should. I know that. But, but I don't think I've ever kneeled down before it. I don't think I've ever done that. Yeah. Yeah, I love it, but I don't think I've ever done that. So... I was racking my brain trying to think what about it, and I had an experience this week, and I thought maybe this is where I fall down in this area. So I work out every morning, and sometimes at the workout, they ask us to do what's called double-unders. And a double-under is where you're skipping rope, but every time the rope goes around, it has to go around twice for every time you're in the air. Yeah, that's called a double-under, Right. And some people are super good at it, and some people are okay at it, and some people are not bad, and some people are like me and don't fall into any of those categories. Because it's really hard for me. I mean, every once in a while I'll get one and go, I'll stop with one and go, did did I just do that? I'll surprise myself. So I want to get better at it. So I really don't like my rope. So I got online and I started researching, is there a better rope that I can get? Yeah, because it couldn't be me, right? It's got to be the rope. So I went out and I found one, and... And, and the name of it is the Double Under Wonder. <laughs> I know, like, how can I go wrong now, right? The Double Under Wonder. But, but the reviews were really good. The reviews were really good on it. So I went online and I started ordering it. So the first thing you get to do is you get to pick out, pick out the color of the left handle. Oh, I know. And then you get to pick out the design that you want on the left handle. And then you get to pick out the color of the right handle and the design you want on the right handle. And then you get to pick out the length of the cable. And then you get to pick out the color of the cable. I know. (laughs) And then you get to pick out whether or not you want the standard bag that's free or you can upgrade to the bag. Well, I couldn't see a difference in the bag, so I'm like, I'll just take the free one, right? And then... You got to choose this option. 
Do you want them to include in the bag magic fairy dust? (laughs) It's on the website. Go look at it. You can include magic at a cost, magic fairy dust. So you might be wondering, Pete, what's the going rate for magic fairy dust? Because we all want to know, right? So for $1,000, they will put magic fairy dust in the bag. But their guarantee is every time you take the rope out of the bag, a little magic fairy dust is going to go with it. So you are sure to do double enders every time you take the rope out of the bag. You like it, huh? Yeah, yeah. Don't don't like it too much because number ten is don't covet. So you might, yeah, you don't, yeah. So yeah, don't like it too much. So, but a little magic fairy dust comes with it. But of course, I said to myself, a thousand dollars. That's like way too much. No way I'm paying a thousand dollars for magic fairy dust. But then I looked, and they had crossed out the thousand dollars, and it was discounted to one dollar. To one dollar. So you got to ask yourself, do I pay the extra buck for a thousand dollars worth of magic fairy dust? And I'm like, no. I mean, like, what are they giving you, right? They're giving you nothing, Wayne, right? I mean, seriously, it's a joke, right? They're not giving you anything. But but then I thought, then I thought, well, I mean, it's a dollar. And it makes a good story, right? So, you know, for a dollar. But then I thought to myself, what if I pay the dollar and then it works? And then am I going to start now be thinking, there really is magic fairy dust? So I opted no. But you never know. So there we go. So there we go. There's the magic fairy dust. Okay. Don't lose my double under wonder. There we go. There we go. So, I'll let you know. So last week, our first commandment was, thou shalt have no other gods before us, right? And we took quite a journey, didn't we? We went from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Genesis. Then we went into Exodus. We went all the way through chapter 19 of Exodus. And then we came to Exodus 20. We took this huge, long journey. And in that, we learned a few things, I hope. We learned that there are many names for God in the Bible, and that the first name we learned was Elohim. Remember Elohim? Elohim was the first one. Elohim means mighty God or God of strength and power. We learned that Elohim is plural, that it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is all Elohim. And we learn that Genesis 1-1 really says this. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. We learn that in the beginning, Jesus was God and Jesus was with God in the beginning and that nothing was created without Jesus. We also learned, I hope, in a week-long discovery that if you took up the challenge to start your day every day with God's verse, with a word from God, that God would speak to you. And if you didn't, There's no greater time to start than right now. And here's my one first point.
point for you. You're one decision away from a better life. Just one. One decision away. So let me refresh you from last week. When God speaks, there is light. We go from darkness to light. When God speaks, there is creation. When God speaks, there's newness. When God speaks, we're blessed. When God speaks, there are promises made and promises fulfilled. When God speaks, he reveals his way and we are set free. When God speaks, there is truth. When God speaks, there is healing. When God speaks, there is redemption. When God speaks, there is life. When God speaks, everything changes for the better. That was true then, and it's true today. So we followed this Hebrew nation on our journey, the children of Israel, as they went all over and they came into Egypt and they were prosperous and life was good, but then they fell under bondage and slavery and they were there for 400 years. So for 400 years they worshipped, along with the Egyptians, all these gods, 2,000 gods, all these monuments, all these creation things. And then God brought them out of bondage and gave them the Ten Commandments, not as rules and regulations, but as a way to live life fully in freedom and the freedom that God had brought them into. And when God spoke those Ten Commandments, it was the same God. It was Elohim that created the earth and everything in it. So we approach the Ten Commandments from the truth that Jesus proclaimed all of them. And this is the week, what Jesus said last week. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. And this week, we look at the second commandment, which most of us know as, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, or thou shalt not make any graven image. But here's the entire verse, and I think it's important that we see all of it. Here it is. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness, or anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So most of us read it like this, or know it like this. Don't create an image or a statue and then bow down before it. And that made a lot of sense for the Hebrews because they left a country where there were a lot of statues and they probably bowed down to a lot of them. But for most of us, that doesn't make a lot of sense because most of us don't bow down to statues. I hope. Most of us don't create a lot of statues. And if you do, don't do that. Okay? Okay? So... Is there anyone here that creates stuff and bows down to it and worships it? No? No? I used to, I went to college with a young lady who actually had something like this. We lived in these dorm rooms and they had two beds and two desks and two dressers and the dressers had three drawers beneath and then up above two opening doors, two doors that opened and you could hang stuff in it. Well, if you opened up her dresser, there was a whole shrine in there. I mean, flowers and candles and statues, and I don't even know what she worshipped. But she would tell me she kneels down before this thing every morning, and that's what she does. And I'm the only person I ever knew who did that, and the last person I know who did that. And I don't know anybody else who's done that before that. And I don't know anybody here that does it today. And I'm sure if I ask you to all follow me out to the playset, 
and we kneel down in front of it and worship the God of recreation, I would hope none of you would follow me. And if you would, don't do that. So that's it. That's the second commandment. So thanks for coming today. We'll, we'll dig a little further. So, yeah. So, so let's break down the verse. This is what I discovered. Here's a few things. Here's the first part of the verse. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, which translate, translates into the Hebrew like this. There it is. Okay. Got it? Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. Now it makes sense. Okay. So, so let's read it all together. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. Lota asa leka pistel. You're welcome. Yeah. You thought I just made that up, but I can say it again. Yeah. Lota asa leka pistel. And what that really means is don't make, don't create an image. And we translate that into English don't create a carved image. Because that's the way it would have made sense historically for the Hebrews. Because they came out of that kind of a culture. But if you look at just the words, it essentially says, don't create an image. So there's a couple of key words in here. The two key words I want to look at are make and image. So make is the Hebrew word asa. And asa means to make, obviously, to do something to work with something, to deal with something, and then get this, to take something of God's creation. Okay, so hang on to that. And then image is really the word pesal, which means to shape and to form. So it's not a carved image, because there's other Hebrew words that actually speak to carved image. Okay, it's just the word image. Okay, So think about this for a second. What's God saying? Don't take anything I've created and make it into something that it's not. And that includes you. Don't take you and turn it into something that God didn't create. Because that becomes an idol to us. We try to create something that God never intended for it to be. So I saw when I read through all this two challenges with this with this commandment. And there's two challenges I want to give you today and these are on your handout. One's a heart challenge and one's an image challenge. Okay? And we're going to start with the heart challenge. So let's look at King Josiah and this is in 2nd Chronicles 34 and this is what it says. Josiah was 8 years old when he became king. He ruled for 31 years in Jerusalem. He kept straight on the paths of his father David, his ancestor David. As a teenager, he began to seek out God, the God of his father David. Four years later, he set out to cleanse Israel of all shrines, get rid of the sacred Asherah groves and the god and goddess figurines. He wrecked the Baal shrines, tore down the altars connected with them, and scattered the debris and ashes over the graves of those who had worshipped them. So this is what God, this is what Jesus is calling all of us to do. 
King Josiah was one of the few kings who did what was right in God's eyes. And it wasn't from learning. He didn't have the Ten Commandments. Because the Ten Commandments and the law that Moses passed down had been lost with all of the other rotten kings that had gone before him. So for Josiah, all of this came from his heart. So Josiah was being led by the spirit of truth and by the God of his fathers. He realized that the pagan and worldly idols were obstacles on his course to God. So what obstacles are in your way and what obstacles are in my way? And the only way we find that is when we search our heart and seek God. His heart was passionate. He wanted the heart. He wanted the God of the forefathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob more than anything else. The prophet Jeremiah wrote these words from God to you and me today. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When I first became a Christian, I didn't like that verse. I always figured God should come to me. How come God can't seek me out? Well, he does, but he wants me to seek him too. And God says, if you will seek me, you will find me. The moment that you turn your heart to seeking God, you'll find him. And Hebrews also says this, he is a rewarder for those who seek him. And if I can tie these two verses back to last week, I can promise you this. When you seek God with all your heart, he speaks. You will hear him speak. It's a heart issue. And even after receiving the Ten Commandments, even after the Hebrews all lined up together and they all said in unison, whatever God says we will do, they fell away so quickly into their own desires and their own wants and their own greed. And so through Moses, God had to speak again. And this is what God says to him, to them, to all of them, and maybe to us. What do you think God expects from you? Just this. Live in his presence in holy reverence. Follow the road he sets out for you. Love him, serve God, your God, with everything you have in you. Obey the commandments and regulations of God that I'm commanding you today. Live a good life. Look around you. Everything you see is God's. The heavens above and beyond, the earth and everything on it. But it was your ancestors who God fell in love with. He picked their children, that's you, out of all the peoples. That's where we are right now. So cut away the thick calluses from your heart and stop being so willfully hard-headed. A lot of your Bibles will say, don't be stiff-necked. That's what they were. They were stiff-necked. They were set on their own way. And God is saying, come back and seek me. I don't know about you, but that passage really speaks to me. Love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then you'll keep his commandments. And then you'll go from darkness to light. And then you'll see newness in your life. And then you'll be blessed. And then you'll hear his promises and see them fulfilled. And then he'll reveal to you his way and he'll set you free. Then you'll see truth. Then you'll find life. And then you'll see life spring that everything changes for the better. When we put God first. This is exactly the order Josiah shows us, not from a set of rules and regulations, but from his heart. Seek God and seek him diligently. Romans 8 tells us this, following after the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace, but following after the old nature leads to death. For if you keep on following it, you are lost and you will perish. But if, 
but if through the power of the Holy Spirit you will crush it and its evil deeds you shall live. For you all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And when we follow these commandments, we find what David found. I delight to do your will, my God, for your law is written upon my heart. And as Christians, we can all say now, I have been crucified with Christ, so it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son God, Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. So that's the heart challenge. And it's a tough one. So whether or not you're pressing the heart challenge is now passing the heart challenge is based on how you can answer these questions regarding your dreams and wants and desires. And take a look at these. Am I willing to compromise my beliefs for it? Will I get angry if I can't do it or won't get it? Do I value it over people? And the most important one, does it push me closer to God or further away from him? So look at all that. How does that line up with your wants and dreams and desires? So Jesus is asking us all today to look at these questions and seek him and see what doesn't belong in him. Can we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal in our hearts this morning what he really wants from us? That's the heart challenge. The second one is the image challenge. Probably a tougher challenge. Last week I took you all the way back to Genesis 1-1 and I took you on quite a journey. It's a long ways that we went and I would never take you back that far again. That's too far to go. So this week I'm only taking you back to Genesis 1-26. Yeah, this is what it says. Then God said, let us, Elohim, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness and let them rule. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Everything else that God created, he called good. But when he created you and I, when he created man, mankind, he said it was very good. You are very good. You are very good. Can you accept that today? You're very good. God created you. You're very good. This is what Ephesians 2 tells us. You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to perform good works that God prepared long ago to be your way of life. What a powerful work. You are God's masterpiece. You are his perfect workmanship. You were created in Christ for good works. Works that God created long ago. He created you to walk in authority. He created you to live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't you want that in your life? Think about all those things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Isn't that how we want to live our lives? But we don't. We battle. Last week we talked about how we drift away from God when we're afraid or we carry regrets or we've lost something. And the deeper the fear, the deeper the regrets, the greater the loss brings us to a point where we become satisfied in that state. And we don't like it, but we're there and we're comfortable in it. 
so we stay. But God says, don't put anything else in front of me. The image challenge looks at all these beliefs, the compromises that we accept as truth, and we accept these things as truth because we don't allow God to speak into our lives. These are idols. These next things I want to show you are idols, people. And this is what we battle with. Here they are along with God's truth. Here's lie number one. This is on your handout. It's the lie of perfection. I must meet certain standards in order to feel good about myself. And the name of that idol is fear of failure. It's the belief that we must be perfect in ourselves. After all, didn't Jesus himself say, you must be perfect just as I am perfect? That's what it says in the Bible. But that's, that comes from the enemy. Here's the truth. Yeah, Jesus did say that. But look at who he was speaking to. He was correcting the religious beliefs of those who truly believed they could follow and adhere to all of the commandments. These are people who idolized themselves. They walked around in their fancy robes, criticizing everybody else. And these are the kind of people that you and I look to, too. They walked around in a show. The truth of the matter is this, that on our own and by our own efforts, we can't possibly be as perfect as God. We can't possibly live up to the Ten Commandments. We just can't do it. We have a problem, and it's called sin. And here's what Isaiah said about it. He said, we're all infected and impure with sin. When we put on our prized robes of righteousness, we're fine they're nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we fade, wither, and fall, and our sins, like the wind, sweep us away. When we place our faith in Christ, however, God gives us the perfect righteousness of Christ so that we become perfect in his sight. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. God has done all this. He has restored our relationship with him through Christ. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The truth is simply this. In Christ, you are perfect. Rest in his peace and put away that idol of perfectionism and just be you. You are perfect in Christ. And if that's hard for you to deal with, seek God in it. Because it's the truth. And if that's hard for you to deal with, keep reading his verses and speaking them out loud. Because this is what he says about you. He created you. And he says, you are perfect in Christ. That's the first truth. The second lie is this, the lie of acceptance. I got to have the approval of others in order to feel good about myself. I need to do things right so others will accept me. The name of this idol is fear of rejection. It's the belief that we must please others at any cost. Got to please my wife, got to please my kids, can't make anybody mad at me, I got to be accepted. That's what this lie is. It makes us sensitive to any criticism. 
and it'll cause you to withdraw and slowly back away from church, from people, from relationships. And you'll draw further and further back. It's the lie of acceptance. The truth is that we worship this idol if we say to ourselves, it's all my fault. If only I'd done this. If only I'd been better, then maybe they could love me. And if you've ever, I'll just relate personally, if you've ever gone through a divorce, you've probably said stuff like this to yourself. If only I'd done this. If I'd been a better husband. If I didn't keep doing this, if I could have changed, that's the lie. The truth is that false guilt from the enemy is a lie. John 8 says this, The devil was a murderer from the beginning. He's never been truthful. He doesn't know what the truth is. Whenever he tells a lie, he's doing what comes naturally to him. He's a liar and the father of lies. And you can tell him that, too. When he starts speaking things to you, tell him he's a liar and go away. You're a liar. That's what he does. That's who he is. The truth is that rejection by others is really in their hands, not yours. It's not yours to own. It's not about you. It's about the brokenness in them. A couple by the name of Mark and Jill Herringshaw wrote an article about the lie of acceptance. And in it they said this, God has the antidote for rejection. It's called adoption. Long before he laid down the earth's foundation, and I changed this so you could read it to yourself, long before he laid the earth's foundation, long before Genesis 1-1, Long before, before he created the world, got that in mind? He had you in mind. You were the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt you into his family through Jesus Christ. What a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted you to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Long before any of that, God chose you. Can you accept that? The simple truth is this. You are a chosen child of the Most High God. Walk in his light and put away the idol of rejection and just be you. Lie number three is the lie of wholeness. I must have sinned because I'm lonely. I need someone my one in my life, so I won't be lonely. If I was a better person, I'd have more friends. The name of this idol is loneliness. When we battle with loneliness, we want to bring out the if-only machine. If only I was good-looking and rich. Then I'd have somebody. If only I had a personality. Then, yeah. If only I went to a bigger church. Yeah, I remember. I said it way back when LifeSpring had 20 people in it. I said, if only. I'll meet somebody if only. 
Now my wife walked in the door, 20 people, 21. There she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If only. But the truth is, yeah, life can be lonely. Life can be lonely for the single person. Life can be lonely for the shy person. Life can be lonely for the depressed person. Life can be lonely for the married person. Life can be lonely for the popular kid. Life can be lonely for the married guy with lots of money and a good job and good looks and a beautiful wife and plenty of kids, perfect kids. Life can be lonely. Life can be lonely. But we have the promises from God. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Isaiah 41 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. And Jesus speaks to you and me today, and he says this, Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. We can't run from God. He's always pursuing us. He's always with us. And here's one of my favorite verses. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. God is with you. God loves you. You're never alone. The simple truth is this. You are never alone. God will never let you go. He knows the plans he has for you, and they're great plans beyond your wildest imagination. Live in his promises and put away the idol of wholeness and just be you. One of my favorite movies is the movie Stand By Me. And in that movie, we find this character, and his name is Gordy. Gordy's the main character. And Gordy is a writer. And I say he is a writer because even though he's only 12 in the movie, you can tell right away through the whole movie that God created him to be a writer. And his best friend is Chris. And Chris was the main influence in Gordy's life. And Gordy's parents didn't like the idea of him writing. Chris, on the other hand, pushed Gordy to be a writer, to pursue his dreams of writing. And at one point in the movie, Gordy feels frustrated. And he says something like, writing was, a stupid, was stupid and it's a stupid waste of time. And Chris says to him, that's your dad talking. And Gordy says, bull, bleep. And Chris says, bull, true. But then Gordy, then Chris says this. He says, I know how your dad feels about you. He doesn't care about you. It was your brother he cared about. I wish I was your dad. You wouldn't be talking about taking those stupid shop classes if I was. It's like God gave you something, man. All those stories you can make up. And he said, this is what we got for you, kid. Try not to lose it. But kids lose everything unless there's someone there to look out for them. And we're not any different, are we? God gave us something too. He created us. 
He created you. He created us in the perfect image of Elohim. And he gave us gifts. And he said, here, kid, try not to lose them. But somewhere along the line, we lose them. Because we start to believe and worship images that other people put on us or that we put on ourselves. We lose that image of who God created us to be. We lose that image that we're perfect in His sight. We lose that image that He's given us gifts and talents and called us to be part of community and live in community and to share those gifts with other people. You are perfect in Christ. You are accepted in Christ. You're never alone with Christ. Put away the idols. Seek God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and just be you. God created you and he loves you just the way you are. So rest in his peace, walk in his light, and live in his promises. If you'd like prayer after service, I would love to pray with you. There will be other people up here as well that will pray with you. Please join us. Don't walk out of here if you need prayer. Even if it's for something unspoken. Even if you just want to come and let us pray for you and lift you up. We'd love to do that. Will you close with me right now in prayer? Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, for your truth, Father God. Thank you, Father God, that you never change, Father God. That you love us just the way we are, Father God. That we can come to you with all of our mess and all of our disaster and and all of our ugliness, Father God. And you look at us and as you say, you're perfect. I love you just the way you are. And he'll put his arms around you and he'll love you and he'll walk with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for dying for us. Thank you, Father God, for giving up everything for us, Father God. We know you have us right here at this time, in this place, in this season, for something special, Father God. So reveal it to us, Father God. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.